to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing very well. Oh, it doesn't get any easier in 2021, does it? 13-23 over the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm just about done with this year. Um, unfortunately, we've still got what another seven or eight games to play. I can't even think off the top of my head. It, it, we're not done with these podcasts. We have to come on and, and, and rant about it and, and sort of express our opinions, but it's uh, they're not making it easy for ourselves. We, we, we're trying to, like I say, we've, we've got a new positive present now and, and we're trying to get positive spins back on this podcast a little bit more now, but they're really not helping us out. Um, so we'll, tr- we'll we'll try not to to rant too much tonight, but uh, I can't make any promises that uh, that we won't go off on a few. Yeah, as, as, as Josh is making the Pinocchio nose symbol to me, uh, I, I can't I can't help but feel that there's a few runs coming, and, and that's perfectly fine because we are the We Talk Sales podcast, and that's what we do. Um, but joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Positive Pez himself. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, good. I'm gonna. After last week's various tangents I went off on because mm. I was that pissed. I'm gonna try and rein myself in because I'm still pissed, but we're, we're gonna try and find pluck a little positiveness to maybe look forward to or anything we can. Yeah, I mean <sighs> we're just gonna try and find positives in every little nook and cranny that we can now. That that that's that's oh, yeah. my aim for the end to the end of the season. We just the, the the Seahawks are setting us the task of trying to find positives in the slimmest of things. We, we're now clutching at straws, but that's all we've got. The main the main positive, but I can't use it because I used it last week. Is Pete's doing everything he possibly can to get himself sacked, so we we're, we're on a good streak here of change. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah, fingers crossed, like you say. Uh, nothing, nothing convinces me in terms of change in hierarchy at this uh, at this football club anymore. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into all that, I'm sure. And again, joining us tonight, as always, is Josh. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm uh, as well as can be expected, my friends. It's uh, difficult at the moment. Um, loving the football team it. and hating everything that's happening. 
um, mm. staying up as a UK fan on a Sunday when you got work on a Monday. Fair play, this was like a, you know, just what, 20, mm. what past nine kickoff. But uh, there is no way on God's green earth I'm, I'm staying up till 1.15 nope. this week. I will happily say that now. Oh. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready to get into it this week. Um, I've written some notes, not as many as I could, because I, I nearly curled up into a ball crying in the corner, um, <laughs> just at the thought of Colt McCoy. So uh, oh. let's get into it. <laughs> shivers already. We're, we're three minutes in, I've got shivers at the name of Colt McCoy. Being, oh man, right, let's get into it. Players with credit, we've got to start on a positive note. I've chucked an obvious one out there, Brian Monet been one of the standout defensive linemen, arguably the best defensive lineman so far for the Seahawks this mm-hmm. season. One and a half sacks on the uh, on the game for the Cardinals. I tell you what, like, he's he's a hell of a player. I, I really I really like Brian Monet. He's a, he's a really good run blocker and and not run blocker, sorry, run tackler, run stuffer. And I tell you what, he can for for the size he is, he's like Al Woods. He can some of these big lads. They can get, <laughs> I don't know how they do it, but they find ways of getting to the quarterback better than these two hundred and forty pound lean machine edge rushes that can't get to the quarterback yet big Brian Monet can I don't know but yeah he's uh I thought he was absolutely fantastic best defensive lineman again I think he's probably taken that award for the best defensive line performance like the, the standout guy most most weeks um we gave you plays yeah brilliant so that that's he was the main one that stood out for me in terms of the ones that come away with credit um any more names that we want to throw around there um, I'm going to put DJ Dallas in there purely just for getting a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So at least we actually got some uh, points on the board. Um, <laughs> I, he, I mean, D- D- Dallas is one of those, right? He's he gets some stick, but he's he's his second mm-hmm. year, and mm-hmm. he isn't your. I don't know where he fits in in the mould of a running back. He people say he's elusive, but I've never seen him step past people and gas it. He's not a power running back. He when he was at Miami, he did a lot of pass catching but we don't seem mm. to utilize him for as pass catching usually every now and again we do um and sometimes it works in the running game he's non-existent like when we had when carson went out last year and they started using dallas fair play scored what two touchdowns in two games but they were all passing plays and i, I didn't every time i got the ball and ran at a d-line all i could think was well he's going nowhere it's that Travis Holmer thing again. Travis Holmer, kick returner, fine. But, mm. my God, bring him up, like, running towards a D-line, and you think, well, you're getting yeah. stuffed every time. But, now that's not a great from Dallas. He scored a touchdown. There you go. Positive. The, the, I will say about um, Dallas, I'm not saying, sorry, Ben, I'm not saying he is him by any stretch of the imagination yet, but if you if you go back and watch his little sort of series that when he got that touchdown against the Cardinals, he reminds me in the way that he sort of runs and his technique and the, and the way he, takes the snap from Russell Wilson. He reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lynch. Now, I'm not saying he is him at, by any stretch. I'm not saying he's beast. I'm just, the way he moves his legs, the way he takes that snap off Russell Wilson, if you were to put them like side by side and watch the way they run, he's very, very similar. Um, but I think in, with, with DJ Dallas, he was the absolute standout player from pre-season in, in, in terms mm-hmm. of this. Everyone sort of came out the back end of pre-season and said, DJ Dallas over those three games and with all, all being positive from training camp, but in those three games, he was a standout player. And then it gets to the regular season. And like with other players that we that we have, we just sort of sort of 
stash them away and don't and and either just forget they exist and don't use them and that's what has said last week we don't see yeah. them for them yeah but so, um yeah just quick no don't be on dj dallas because you, you're nicked my only really guy i wanted to speak <laughs> about um <laughs> i said to you james uh mm. the end of pre-season start of thingy uh start of this regular season Watching him pre-season, yeah, because it might just be pre-season, but the, in my opinion, the progression he made from year one to year two, like in them pre-season games, was to me very standout. Mm. It is, it was very standout in like the strides and the effort he's put in, because he's always got a smile on his face, he's always working, always putting a hundred percent effort in. Um, and I just I saw something on Twitter the other um, before earlier actually earlier on, and I can't find it. One second, but he is because I think he's been quite impressive in kick return. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If uh, no one else agrees, um, to, to a certain extent, he hasn't taken um, any for a touchdown, has he? But he? Well, here you are. Here's how how impressive he's been. Because getting a touchdown from a kick return is hard. It is. Unless you've got Daryl Patterson. It's hard. But DJ Dallas in the Pro Bowl vote for kick returning is fifth overall, fourth in the NFC. I saw this earlier. Yeah. And don't worry, by the time I finished, it'll be second. (laughs) (laughs) Because do you know what, right? We joke on this about positive peasant having a bit of positivity. The guy is always happy. Like, I, I think he kind of understands that he might not ha- be the most gifted player, but work ethic, and he's just happy to be where he is. And to be quite honest, in the current situation we're in now, Rashard yeah. Penny pulls off an 18-yard run, and you're like, ooh, that's interesting. But where's Rashard Penny? Oh, he's tweaked that hamstring again. Mm-hmm. He's even mentally done. Or he's physically done, and it's a shame. It is a shame because yeah, he had shame, yeah. potential to not first round pick, but he had potential to be a really good back. Um, but on, on Rashad Penny, can we just say, right, out of all our running backs that played on average, run to yards, he was the best one. That's a positive. Oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, piss off. That no is the clutch of all straws. That <laughs> easy, dear me. I tried, I tried. I'm sorry. Looking at this, DJ Dallas, so Alex Hollins had 10 attempts, 36 yards, 3.6 average. DJ Dallas had four attempts, 25 yards, a 6.3 yard average. Now, this is the thing for me, and it relates to personnel selection, Pete, offensive play calling, Pete, um, just playing veterans and safe guys. Pete, like he's just stifling some of these young players. Really, is he goes in the media and says, "We need to get Alton Robinson more things. We need to get this person more things. We need to get that person more things," and doesn't do any of it. But we're used to it. That's by the by. That's we're used yeah. to it. But I honestly believe I said it to James. I honestly believe DJ Dallas could be used as an absolute what they like to call these days weapon. He can do jet sweeps. He can catch a ball. He's very, like, he's very good 
with his hands. Get him, he's a like, former receiver, said, isn't he? Yeah, I said to James multiple times, I said, you get him on the outside, down the line, and he's, he, he's really hard to get down. On, like last year, he got down to the outsides and like four people around him, and he still managed to slip past a couple and get gone. And it's just like this year. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. Just, just whilst whilst you're on that topic, this year with our run game, have you noticed how few runs go to the outside? Yeah, they're all dead in the middle. Like if you have Chris Carson, he will mm. just bulldoze through for three or four yards dead down the middle. Alex Collins has done well dead down the middle because he has got such quick feet. But then, like you said, using your personnel. People like your Dallases, and don't get me wrong, like I, I, I as a young running back with a different skill set, I rate him. I rate him over Homer. Homer's right. a great blocking running back, but Dallas offers you a lot more. But they never utilize him for his his upside, you know, which is getting to the outside, which is the potential of either running it to the outside of an O line or running around an O line and being that extra receiver. Sorry, guys, right. I had to get that out. Right. No, it's all, right. it's all right because you bang on there like it's it's catches out the backfield. It's, it's like screens yeah. and things like that, and then give him the room and and not well. Russ can't do them, so that's pointless. But you know, <laughs> get him to the outside, give him a bit of room, get his engine going, and he's hard to bring down. And you know what? Mm-hmm. He played a game earlier in the season where he ran straight down the middle. And my biggest criticism last year was I really like him. I liked his t- his highlights of what he potentially could be as a uh, pass catching back out um, pass catching back, but he can't run he can't run down the middle to save his fucking life. But he had one game where he came in for a couple of series and he actually found gaps and he was actually quite efficient. He pulled off some big runs down the middle. Whereas it, last year, when it was all on his shoulders, he was running into all lines asses and fucking not being able to find a gap to save his life. And yeah. The way this new version of Pete Carroll, that's that's probably stuck in his mind. He's like, I can't trust that guy. And my overtake on Dallas as we picked him up is he's also very unfortunate. Another little, if anyone's still fighting with the idea that Pete's running the offense, a, a little thing to show that he is, is Travis Homer is holding DJ Dallas back. Solely because he is the better Blocker. Hmm. Well, he did. He didn't do that well this game, so that's quite. I was, I was literally about to say, what, what, ev- what? Any evidence has Travis Homer ever supplied that he can run the ball like finding gaps and scoring touchdowns better than DJ does? No, but, but the thing is, Travis Homer. The thing is, this is this is yet again, without going too off tangent with it. Hmm. But my my opinion is, when Travis Homer comes on the field, defense is no straight away. Russell Wilson is going to throw it. He's just put extra protection in there. And that's shocking itself when you've got an undersized running back who's got a bit of strength behind him, who can actually be serviceable in the blocking game. He he is a makeshift extra O-lineman because that's how undervalued they've done the O-line. So that's that little bye-to-bye bit. But it just shows by Travis Homer being picked over Dallas because I think Dallas is the better running back hmm. it just shows that Pete's still running the show because that's Pete's guy he's it's just conservative and it? it's just conservative I mean I, I think it speaks volumes because both of those played both of those players played at the U so they're both Miami right but when Homer got picked people went it's alright when Dallas got picked the people were like he will be 
amazing. Like, mm. Give him the chance and he will do things for a football team. And there was this big sort of thing. Like I've, I've got friends over in Florida and they all support the various universities there. And the ones that do support Miami were like, DJ Dallas will do things for you. Like he's got some deficiencies to his game, sometimes because of his size, especially in the NFL, because everyone's absolutely massive. But he will do things for you with his hands, with his feet. He'll offer you something new. I don't see it in Homer. I, I Like I said, they, they love him as a blocking running back. But as Pez quite rightly said, it, he gets in the game and instantly a team goes... Right, Wilson's throwing the ball. Brilliant. Let's all just yeah. step back a bit. It's either that or a give up play up the middle for on third and twenty yeah. fucking, isn't it? It's it, 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 all he does. It's all third, he does. He did third and something, and then Travis Homer does. And that's. Do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? I laughed at myself because I'm going to admit it. I fell asleep. I've never fallen asleep during a Seahawks game before, but I fell asleep between uh, in this game. That's just how done I am. Normally, I'm quite on edge. I'm a bit like tense and bit up for it. I'm a bit nervous and that watching it. But I just fell asleep. Woke up for him. Woke up in the early hours of the morning. I was like, oh fuck. What was the score? <laughs> oh what a surprise. Let's <laughs> go to bed. I, I stayed up and watched it and I, that play that came up, third downs we were awful on. We had so many third downs it was embarrassing. Two for ten. And I was listening to, as I said to you earlier, another couple of pods on my drives with work this week. And it was, I think it was Lofer Tatupu on his pod that was saying the best teams do not get to third down. They convert in first and second because third down is your last chance. However, we seem to play this game where it's like we want to get to third down. Mm. I don't ever want to get to third down because I know how shit we are at it. In fact, at that, let me give you a stat, all right? Third down statistics, right, for quarterbacks for Seahawks this year, right? Russell Wilson is 13 from 37. He's got a 35% completion rate for 218 yards, 10 first downs, um, 5.9 yards per play, essentially. 62.7 rating. Now, Geno Smith, 15 for 22. Good. 68%, 139 yards, eight first downs, 6.3 yards. Pez is absolutely sweating. 85.2 rating. And I, I read that stat and I think, how is an elite quarterback that shit on third down? Right. There is a. There, go on, can, I, can I just ask something? Because we're kind of drifting into a negative. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Are we done with the positives? Are we just going to roll into Russell Wilson? Because we can roll with that if we want it. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, throw, um, I'll throw Sidney Jones out there for positive. I thought he came in for the injured Trey Brown and did very well. Yeah, he did. That 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 interception was an... In- Pez, don't look at me like that. That interception was an interception, right? That shouldn't have been taken away from him. That was a pick. He read that play fantastic. That was that was one of the better plays made by a Seahawks cornerback this year, Endo. Right. That, that, that play on the ball. Allow me to quote something that I wrote in my notes, word for word, verbatim. Sidney Jones is not very good. That no, was he's not. I had, I had nothing else to say purely because, right, that, that interception, that wasn't an interception, right? He, he, that was a decent play. That was the only Thank flash you. he had. 
throughout the whole game. Yeah, it was. Did you see? Did you hear? Did you see his attempted tackle? You know, I went on last week about tackling, and it's a big part of my notes. So I won't, I'm not going to bang that drum more. But Sidney Jones's attempted tackle, I think it was on Ertz, was basically it, it was, he might as well just sort of step back and go after you, sir. But no, I'm sorry, I but that, can't. But did you not see the third down stop that he made? The third down tackle that stopped the the Cardinals. I think by that point, Sydney Sydney Jones was the best cornerback on the field for the Seahawks. Oh, on on the day, yeah, because Trey Brown fell out of thin air. He came, he came in the game. He wasn't expected to play. He comes in against some decent Cardinals receivers. He should have had a pick. It was a great play on the ball. Like made a couple of nice tackles. I know he missed a few, but what what Seahawks defensive players can tackle well at this point. Um, I'll, I'll commend you for the fact you've picked out a positive in Sydney Jones, both from positive players. So thank you. Yeah, fair play, mate. So, All right. So with you saying Sydney Jones, I'd say players that came out of the game with some credit, Trey Brown and DJ Reed, because it clearly shows <laughs> if we don't have them two on the field, we're screwed. Good if point. we have one yeah. on the field, we're just fifty percent screwed. <laughs> Yeah, I just... deposit. Ah, the... you, you've absolutely sailed me down the river. I should have. I should have just never <laughs> mentioned it. <laughs> you just sailed me down the river. <laughs> right, Gerald oh, Everett, next one. Because that one, that one's not going in for credit. Then is it, so, Gerald can, Everett? Can... Um, what is Gerald Everett? Your next one. Gerald Everett was my next one. You're not. You're not taking that one away from me. I just said he needs more ball. Uh, and we said this last week. But I think we'll say it for because he, bear in mind he's only got a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. I think we will say this for the rest of the season. He just needs more ball to show what we can do. I think if by the end of the season he shows enough, someone needs to go. Whether it's whoever the current regime is or next regime or whatever, someone needs to go. Just fucking pay that man because with him on him on the field, you don't need that extra superstar wide receiver that people are calling out for because he can do the business. And he's flashed. So every time he's got the ball, and I said this last week about Disley, this week I'm kind of retracting that after he dropped that ridiculous yeah. ball. Um, but every time he's got the ball, he looks like he's going to do something. And that's mm-hmm. what you want from your key players. We mentioned it last week where we, we listed out the key players that the ball needs to go to. He was there. And again, he proved by giving the ball, he'll do stuff. He just needs more opportunity to do stuff. So, agreed. Thank you. Um, another person that I said to use twos off air was we don't give Michael Dixon enough love on the podcast. Yeah, he's a punter though, isn't he? You kind of forget kickers, about him. Kickers are people too. They are. Uh, uh, the punter in this current version of the Seattle Seahawks is probably the most valuable player we have. <laughs> That's Five punts. Average 51, longest 60, three out of five inside the 20. He's very good. So if we had an absolute dog shit average punter, we probably would have had an extra 10 points put on us because of field position. There in my a, opinion. And, a, and. Another 20 for fucking Prayer and missing the field goals. To uh, just give him a bit of. A boost 
he is currently leading the NFC Pro Bowl voters at his position. Good. He's an all-pro punter, so he should. He's getting enough opportunities, like you say. He's getting enough opportunities <laughs> to show himself, isn't he? So, dude, by the end of the season, his kicking leg is going to be twice the size of what it was with the amount of workout he's getting. Honestly, he's going to be hoofing that ball. Uh, he's going to be hoofing that ball. Tacoma, won't he? Uh, exactly. He's going to be like Glenn Hoddle's penalty, just right out of the stadium. <laughs> Um, the, the, there's a gentleman that I know from the, the, the UK Seahawkers who he only buys kickers jerseys, so he'll be well happy to hear that. And to be honest, I can see why. Like I, I genuinely think the one bright spark that he, this is like a it's a double-edged sword. This Dixon is a bright spark because whenever you he gets the ball on fourth down, you know that we're not going to have a 20, 30 shitty yard kick. It's mm-hmm. going to go. Which is a massive plus, right? The negative, though, is that he's getting the ball so much. Kickers should not see that much of the field. At this point, I think he sees the field more than some of our wide receivers. Mm. He definitely sees it more than D. Eskridge, you know, Penny Hart, and uh, to a point, Freddie Swain, which which uh, it baffles me. But anyway. Should we, we move on to the players with, with door credit? Because I'm not having anyone else. Come, maybe other than, like, say, Tyler Lockett. Possibly. One minute. What? Tyler had a good game. He did. But we would need to do an honorary mention to Colby Parkinson for still not dropping a football this year. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Fucking moving on. (laughs) Well, James, you're in a bad mood tonight, you aren't you? I am. He's he's raging, mate. He's he's living. Credit Jamal Adams, and I just want to get on to him. So I'm just, and, and then you're right, throwing out We're going to make you sweat because it's not a long Josh run. started on a Russell Wilson. So you might as well carry on now before you turn to take the positives away from us. Right, go on. What, Let so am leash. I going with Russell Wilson or Jamal Adams? Who am I, who am I going with here? You, you, you just go for Russell. No, go on. You want me to go for my Russ? Right. Well, you might as well oh. finish off what you started before because I stopped you midway because we were going to go down a negative spiral. Do you know what? I, I lost total track of what I was saying because it just come, it, it flows off my tongue <laughs> so well. The the negatives about Russ at the moment, it's it, it's just he's so ineffective on absolutely everything he does, and we're probably going to address this later. But the two glaring things for me, we had. A, a play we had we had two plays in the red zone where Russ somehow managed to throw it over Gerald Everett's head and DK Metcalf's head, both of them in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like they're both six foot two, six foot three plus. Now A, how, B, what, and C why. Like he, it doesn't add up because that that's like Russell Wilson prime. Like he he looks at those situations and they would all be spot on. Whereas at the moment, it everything just seems to be going wrong for him. And like I said last week, I don't know if it's the fact he's still injured, he's still tentative, he's just not got a grip of the football or what. But I I'm I'm done. I'm I'll, I'm so so done with Russell Wilson. I'll feed in. Say it anymore. I'll feed into what you said there because the thing I picked out with Russell Wilson was uh, a third down play. It was when we were sixteen and six in the third quarter, about six minutes 
to go in the third quarter. You can go back and watch it on the 11-minute NFL highlight video. It's on there. It's included on there. Don't, don't. It it's be, pointless. It, it is pointless, but for the purpose of don't this exercise, please go and watch it because otherwise this won't make sense. He throws it to Penny Hart on third and four, right? That's bad enough. That, no, no, that's, that's bad enough, right? But it wasn't necessarily Penny Hart. That, that's the reason why I'm annoyed that he's throwing it to Penny Hart. He threw it behind Penny Hart, for starters. Jordan Hicks was the linebacker. He absolutely read that play to perfection and he's very, very, very lucky, Russell Wilson, that that wasn't intercepted because a, a millisecond later, if he'd have thrown that ball, that was getting picked off by Jordan Hicks. So he, he completely misread the, the, the linebacker's coverage through behind Penny Hart. If he looked to his left, which is the really annoying thing, he didn't look to his left. He had Tyler Lockett on a curl that was absolutely wide open. For the easiest first down four yard throw, the, the the two guys in coverage were about five six yards away from Lockett, and he was stood on the down on the downage marker, simple as you can get. Travis Homer makes a run on the flat, and like I say, we 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 shit on Homer a lot, but he was open on that play. If he if he had taken that check down, that was a four yard run. So that's not Russell Wilson sort of that that's not scheme. That's not sort of anything to do with sort of. Pete Carroll or, Russ, or Shane Waldron for once. It's just Russ. That, that, that is purely Russell, like you say, on third down. That is, And for whatever reason, he's, he's not going through his progressions properly. He's not throwing the ball to, to like players that are quite clearly the obvious option. He's making overthrows. Everything about Russell Wilson's game is uncharacteristic. I don't Jake, get see, it. We say uncharacteristic. Like Russ is he's on target to be the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. Right. Mm-hmm. The first drive where he decided he wanted to throw the ball, he gets melted by Chandler Jones, mm-hmm. folded like a deck chair. Like it, it was, it was ridiculous. And all the way through that game, every time he dropped back, when there was a three-step drop, I could see him trying to look around and find someone. And then it looked like he had panic in his eyes, like, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, I'm just going to keep hold of this." And all I could think was it's going to happen again. And it just did. It happened again and again. Mm-hmm. And it got, was it, they got, they sacked him five times, did they? It was four. It was good four or five times. Four or five times, right? Yeah. And it, it's, I know Russ is guilty of holding on to the football for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone knows this. But it seems to be longer, even if it's just a second. This season, from the start of the season, to even now, coming back from injury, it just seems to be that little bit longer. And, I genuinely don't know why. And it's costing us yards. It's costing us downs. It's it's, it's going to cost him his health at some point. Obviously, the, the injury against where Aaron Jones tried to bat the ball and got his finger, mm. you know, that was lucky because Aaron Jones decimates people for fun. Mm. Russ at the moment, just he doesn't look like the type of player who is going to command what his trade value would have been at the start of the season. Oh, no. He's, he's still elite, but... We're not going to get four first-round picks, five first-round picks, no. and back with another quarterback no. until he pulls his finger out. Literally. Right, so the third down thing, I uh, screenshotted something on Twitter where it basically said this, on third down, Freddie Swain was the most targeted player with nine targets. Everett and Tyler had a combined six Tyler hasn't had a third down target since week two. And then another thing is uh, another thing with Russ, 
Russell had drive since his week five touchdown pass to DK. Missed field goal, punt, 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 punt. Mm-hmm. End of half, punt, interception, punt, interception, turnover, downs, punt, punt, field goal, field goal, punt, 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 rushing touchdown, turnover and downs. I saw like, that. that was Mike the, Dugan, the guy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the guy's in a rut. The guy is in a rut, and I don't know whether he's... Do you know sometimes... Like, I'm all for his um, way of looking at things, his um, positive mindset, his outlook, um, his optimism. But sometimes it can get in your way. And I think with Russ, it's starting to seem like he's not actually seeing the real picture on things. He's like completely he's not seeing... overcomplicating it. Yeah, he's he's trained too hard. Mm. Like, w- would you say, would you say Russ is broken or the offense is broken, Josh? I would say it's a bit of both. <laughs> so I would say offensively, we're caught, we're we're, we're playing, we're make, making the wrong calls, just shit bust. But with Russ being an elite quarterback like he is. He's making the wrong decisions. Mm. So one of the the touchdowns that could have been, he decided to throw it up to, I think it was one to DK on the left. In the middle of the end zone was Freddie Swain running all by himself. Mm-hmm. But Russ, as we've said before, just doesn't. He just ignores that middle of the field. And do you know what it is? Which is weird. When I watch the Chiefs or the Ravens and on like third down and stuff like that. I know exactly what they're going to do. The, the, the Chiefs have got Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Either, either <laughs> the Ravens got Andrews. Yeah. yeah. And the Ravens got Mark Andrews. So on third down in, in Baltimore, Lamar either runs it or he throws it to Mark Andrews. Teams know that and it still works. The Chiefs either throw it to bloody Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or, or Mahomes runs it and, and it works. We, on th- when we get these, we just want to like just overcomplicate it and not just, you know, we find something that works. If you can get DK Metcalf, in front of a de- like get his body in front of a defensive back on a little four yard little slant or a little curl, he'll catch it every single. Like, just why do we need to overcomplicate these players? And what or why is Russell Wilson overcomplicating it? This is what we said off air as well, though. It's the we we're getting killed, and, and you said it, James. It's death by a thousand cuts. Mm. It is offenses staying on the field by doing the short, simple stuff. To keep them moving forward, just progressing four yards, three yards, three yards, four yards, five yards, six yards, ten yards. And it's keeping their offense out there and it's mm. keeping the, the sticks moving. Whereas our defense is out there just tiring and just getting bored off their tits. If I mean to constantly have balls thrown at them. Whereas Russ, for some reason, as an elite QB, is lacking the capacity to take these short check downs just to move the posts, whether it's on first down or second down. We have this this philosophy, and this is this is a peak thing, where it's right, first two downs, we, we run it. Right. And I attribute it to like rugby league, rugby league, first three tackles, the ball is popped quick to a runner who just runs in quick. You know, try and get the ball up, draw people in and then pass it out. But we have those first two downs where we're just running it for no reason. When Russ would quite easily make us four yards, five yards with a pass. And 
And it's, it's baffling to see because that formula, everyone knows what it is now. Everyone knows on first down it's to run. Second down it's like this beer run. Third down, Russia's going to go, shit, we made nothing with those runs. Let's, uh, let, let's try and make 10 or 12 yards on this throw. And teams just sit back and wait for it. And then we find ourselves in fourth down going for, or in third down and 20 with Travis Homer trying to run the ball. Pointless. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, anyway. Another point, another thing I wanted to comment on was Russ is destroying his stock value. Yeah. Now, I look at it from a totally different angle. I, I, I look at it from a totally different angle. So I look at it from the point of Russ is always, like we said in the last podcast, look, Russ is always talking about legacy. He's got Sierra and they made this little empire in Seattle, right? So they're pretty much gods in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So everyone talking about Russ wanting to get out, it doesn't make sense to me. Because yes, they might be big in America wide, but they're, they are like, from what you see online, like we're in the UK, we don't know everything, but it looks like they're fucking royalty in Seattle. Why would he want to when that's all he wants? That's all he ever speaks about. Essentially, his legacy is essentially what he's got in Seattle. Hmm. So he's not destroying his stock because, in my opinion, he has no intention of leaving. Hmm. All this shit in the off season was to wake someone up and go, I'm going to leave if you don't get rid of him. Is it me or him? And I honestly believe it is a high-stakes bluff backing himself because at the end of the day, he might be going through some struggles. He might be... People might say he's broken or whatever, but he's Russell Wilson at the end of the day. He'll get it together. He will go somewhere else and he will just be as great with a better system that it suits him and it's based for him, right? He, yeah. It also have a bigger marketplace. So if it's say for example, he went to the New York Giants, right? New York as a media marketplace. Imagine Russell Wilson's brand and Sierra's brand to a degree in New York as opposed to the, the Pacific Northwest. It's gonna grow. Like he's, I, I'm, I, I can't see past that. This is all about his brand and his personal legacy, as opposed to the team. I, I just can't anymore. I see far too much social media to to say different. But you got to remember, you also you do, you do have to remember that he's not doing all that social media. There's no chance he's doing all that social media. Like, he ain't cooking himself. He ain't cooking Sierra these fucking date night meals, what you see on his social media and that. He ain't doing any of that because he's a very, very wealthy man and he will have someone who runs his social media, like his good man brand, his fragrance brand, his this brand, his that brand. He does a podcast, but a guy does it all for him. Like, these things, like, I don't agree with that thing of he's too much of a social media present what's uh, distracting him because he does some of it but I don't think he does 95% of it's not even just social media and this is what it's it's spreading himself too thin outside of football everyone's got to have an interest away from their job right 
But when he spread himself that thin with the Goodman brand, the three brand, all his Nike endorsements, his red carpet stuff with Sierra, his the, the social media to an extent, because even though he doesn't do it all, I can guarantee there's probably he's probably got a media team that goes on Twitter to quote fucking Bible verses for everyone. But the videos, that has to be him. You know, there's all these little bits outside of football which take away from it. Even social media of him showing his rehab and his workout routine and all that bollocks, that's still marketing in it in its simplest form. It's marketing your own brand as a person. It's saying, look at all the work I do. Look at this. And people think it's for the fans. It's not just for the fans. It's so everyone else in the league, GMs, coaches, other players, see what he's doing as well. Whether that's intentional or unintentional, that's the way social media is. And and that's going to happen. So like by the end of the season, we've said it before, it's going to get to a point where his social media presence is going to take him so far within the league where someone else is going to look at it and go, you know what, we see enough tape on Russell Wilson on the field and off the field. We want him. And I'm, I've, I've genuinely got to that point now where... I, I think it's going to happen where next season we won't have Pete, we won't have John, we won't have Russ. I, and and I agree. to the next point, I don't think if things keep going this way, we might not even have Jamal Adams. Hey, hey thanks, <laughs> Josh. Right. Do you like that segue? Bosh. I do, yeah. Do you know what, right? I've got Jamal Adams down as my, one of my players with with no credit. It is surprisingly, perhaps to, to your surprise as well, it's not due to his performance in the game. Um, I don't think there was anything sort of that I could get overly pissed off in terms of his performance in the game, apart from the flag on Kelsey. And that this is where it stems from. It the, the, the thing, why he's on the players with no credit for me is, I'm not sure if anyone else has watched it, um, it's it's the play directly after the... Travis Kelsey flag on the on the goal line and then James Conner it in. Zach Zach Hurts. Yeah. Who was that saying? Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey twice. I know we were playing the Chiefs. Zach Kurtz. If we were Fucking playing the Chiefs, the score would have been a lot higher. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I'm I'm just I'm I'm wishing now. I'm just wishing that we had fucking Travis. Anyway, yes, Zach Hurts. Even worse now. Fucking hell, that, that makes it sound even worse. Yeah, it probably is due to his performance. Anyway, the penalty on Zach Hurts. James Connor then runs it in. Jamal Adams is sort of on the edge, sort of he's he's sort of like acting as like the quarterback spy and the sort of the James Connor spy to see if he breaks to the edge. And there is an absolute complete zero lack of any form of effort from Jamal Adams to make a hit or to stop James Connor. I'm not saying if he hits him, he stops him. James Connor is likely to ride Jamal Adams' hit and walk it into the end zone, but that's not the point. If I'm Jamal Adams, and again I keep I keep going back to his contract and some people can say it's a scapegoat blah 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 I don't, I don't, it is what it is he's a 70 million dollar safety he's just made a play that's sort of iced the game in a sense because it's down at the one yard line James Conner's about to run it in and completely end the game Fan Jamal Adams whether he agrees with it or not and, and, and I do agree with the call I think it was a stupid call it gets flagged every time in the NFL these days he can't, he's got nothing to argue about um, do better in coverage basically um, to then have that sort of reaction after you've given up that play, to not be, if I'm him, I'm so either disappointed with myself or just angry, just furious. I don't care who, it could be Derek Henry, it could be fucking Travis, I don't, it doesn't matter who's coming to run at me on the next play. 
I'm 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 sort of I'm I'm hitting someone. I'm I'm doing something. I'm, I'm making some form of, to hit, for him to just stand there and watch James Conner run it in the end zone for a complete lack of effort. Like I follow Middlesbrough Football Club. Which <laughs> got lucky. Which to some people, I don't know, you know, if you're listening to this in the states or wherever, they're shit. And and all I ever sort of want from the players that play for Middlesbrough is effort and absolute effort because I can't ask for sort of Man City level talent. I can't ask for world class talent because we don't have it. Whereas with the Seahawks, and I have that attitude with the Seahawks as well. It's like so long as my so long as I see players that I can root for, like a DJ Dallas that you were talking about, Pez, who plays with, and you can just root for him. As long as I see my players giving everything for the team that I support, I, I, I can't ask any more in, in that sense. But Jamal Adams does have ability. He's, he's the highest paid safety in NFL history. He's, 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 he's this, he's that, he's, he's all pro this, he's all pro that. He's also got a complete attitude problem. It stinks. It's, for him to not want to hit somebody on that play, it's, a, it, it's absolutely... Discussing, and I'll put this to use in, in my opinion, and because people can say, like, say, I always say, oh, you're blaming Jamal Adams for the loss. It's not Jamal Adams' fault that we lost that game. That's not the problem. But people always try and tell me that Jamal Adams is like a, a you know, a, a scapegoat, and for oh, we, when the team's not playing well, everyone would just blame Jamal Adams. It's, it's not. It's like Jamal Adams, like I keep saying, is a is an average safety. Who, who out of anyone here and anyone listening? If I offered you, in my opinion, other than Kenny Easley and someone who I grew up watching, Earl Thomas at a safety position, would anyone would anyone genuinely say with a head screwed on that they would swap Jamal Adams for Earl Thomas in terms of no. at the same? Absolutely not. Earl Thomas and, in his prime all day. Kenny absolutely. Easley over Earl um, Thomas probably. For me, it's from we said it in the last podcast. Um, I think Jamal's in a bit of a shit situation in a sense. At the end of the day, the contract's there because essentially he's got to look after number one, hasn't he? He could get injured next week and that's him done. Like he, he 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 can't be he he can't have that held, in my opinion, held against him for just trying to make his money. But where I do agree with you, James, is he does, like we said, I said in the last podcast, he has an ego issue where mm. he borderlines the confidence and arrogance line. Mm-hmm. And you don't know which Jamal you're going to find yourself with. You, you don't. But do you know, do you know mm. where he misses out? My point is, sorry, where he misses out, he misses out, he loses out the most. And he's always going to be on the back foot was because, unfortunately for him, he was brought in on desperation by Pete. Mm. It's a desperation move by John and Pete. I blame Pete a lot because he has so many fingers and so many pies in this franchise now. But John's got to get chucked in there because John must be the contract guy. Pete must be like, mm. we're getting him. You just deal with the finances. And John's in a, in a like I said to you a lot, he's walking into the boardroom of his pants by his ankles before he's even started. Well, part players of are just... contract was he, he's in charge of player personnel, isn't it? So he he says who he wants, and then John's just got to try and convince him yeah, to yeah. come here. It was probably an easy one for Jamal Adams. It was like, right, you're currently the New York, New York Jets. Let's face it. Who wants to be at the Jets? Mm. Come to us, and 
You know, you play a year and then we extend your contracts. At the end of the day, Jamal came to the Seahawks because when he came to the Seahawks, he looked to them as a winning team. And don't get me wrong, he's a smart guy. He probably looked at it and thought, there's, there's holes in there and I could get a massive payday out of these lot. I do think that as well. But he came because they were a winning team, because it was Russell Wilson, because it was DK. But the cloak of secrecy about the Seahawks is Pete Carroll ain't no good anymore. And he probably learnt that pretty sharp and quick. Do you know do you know where I sort of kind of disagree though, in terms of holding a contract accountable for him? In my opinion, we traded we traded for him. We didn't know he was going to set the NFL sack record. We didn't know we did, we traded for him as a as a safety. As an old process, we didn't know he was this. You were about to say what guy. I was about to say. Come on. <laughs> we, we didn't we didn't know that he was this hybrid guy that was set that was that you know, that's that was all in the future. But at the end of the day, nobody in the Seahawks told Jamal Adams we're going to pay you seventy million. Jamal Adams asked to be paid seventy million. So in my opinion, I know I know this. I know the reason why they had to pay him because the the they, they fucked up the trade and they didn't, you know, add a contract extension automatically into the trade. I, and I understand that, and they caught, sort of handicapped themselves a little bit. But at the end of the day, Jamal Adams set the sack record. Said, right, I want to be paid seventy million. So the Seahawks go, right, well, you can basically say any figure in the world because we're going to have to pay you because if we trade you now, we're going to look like even complete idiots. So you can absolutely rinse us for whatever money you want and we'll pay you it. So Jamal Adams said, right, I'll get paid 70 million. Thanks. Make, make me the highest played safety in, in NFL history. Seahawks do it. If, even if it doesn't hold it against him, it holds a standard, in my opinion. Whereas like it, 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 not necessarily everything he does should always be all oh, contract, contract, contract. But at the end of the day, it's a standard that that he has to meet. If if you're getting paid seventy million, you have to meet a certain standard in effort and in ability. And that and for that was a complete zero on effort. Um, just a bit of uh, like I, what you said there. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I agree with what you wait, the angle you're coming from, but you could you could also look at the fact that. The team, yet again, we talked about it last week about Pete and this team creating these monsters that they can't control because the team created that monster. They created the sack record, safety guy. They've only got themselves to blame, in my opinion. And at the end of the day, would we be... So you're paying a guy for what he did last year. But then you don't use him like you did last year. So is it on the team or is it on the player? Because you're pay- you're- he got paid for what he did last year. And then this team decided in the offseason to change the playbook to try and make him a more conventional safety. Well, he's come into a team as being a defensive weapon. And it worked for the majority. There was holes, but Pete. You're the fucking head coach. That's where he excels. Make it work. For, for me, it was the... He turned around and said, I play like a linebacker, pay me like a linebacker, because he's that hybrid safety role. Now, I've been a fan, and I've said this to multiple people now, because of the way he plays, just move him to fucking linebacker, and I've done with it. Because Ryan Neal is much more effective when he plays in safety. 
okay, which is proven every time he's on, he needs more game time. We said this about Alton Robinson, there's people about Alton Robinson, Ryan Neal, Daryl Taylor, there's there's a, uh, Brian Monet, there's people out there, younger players in our squad that need more game time. Now, we know Jamal can do the business off the edge, rushing a quarterback. He's, he's got coverage skills to safety. So, move him into linebacker, move him to where KJ used to play, because then he can cover those screens. He's got the speed, he's got the explosiveness. The guy can hit, apart from this week, where he just gave up on that run. And I went on a Twitter rant about this, and I just said, as, a, as an amateur rugby player, I've always prided myself on tackling. It's disgusting seeing men paid millions blatantly flake out of the tackle. And in summary, body position, no. Angles, no. And the big one for me, commitment, no. Positioning, no. Footwork, no. Reading the attacking play, just fucking woeful. Get in the bin. It, it was it, that's just mm. indicative of everything that's happened over the last two games, especially. Jamal was the poster boy for it on that that touchdown, uh, but we've had plays throughout, yeah. and Jamal is, is unfortunately because he's so high profile, because he's paid so much, because he was the big off-season story, apart from the whole Russ thing. He he's now he should be the leader of this. He should be the one who goes. You know what? And you see it every now and again where he tries to put a massive shoulder into someone which is the wrong thing to do completely. You really should have just wrapped him up and stopped him moving any further rather than going for the highline real boot. But now he's just playing things completely wrong. That's, Unfortunately, he's getting flack from people like us. That's, Not that he's going to listen to this. That, that's the thing. Sorry, can I just jump in, Pez? That, that's the thing. You, you mentioned a key word there for me, which is leader. Bobby Wagner, in the next sort of possibly year, two years, isn't going to be here, possibly. There's a, there's a high chance. Jamal Adams... Is going to have to step up and be the leader. If that's your leader on the defense, and you turn, would Bobby Wagner do that? No. no. If you're the leader of the defense, you you set the standard, you set for the attitude and work ethic, and that's what's concerning me. If Jamal Adams has that type of attitude, where he just gives up, oh, I just let the game's finished. It's my fault. I'll just let him run in. Like, no, that that that's that, that's not going to work for me. Um, I do agree where you're coming from because I have. Obviously fell asleep, but I did see the highlight of that. Um, so yeah, I did. I did look at Jamal, and I was just like, "Oh, James is going to kill him for this." Oh, yeah. But in the but then, I was just thinking. Then look at the differences, though. So you have him at safety, and you you have him in them situations. Well, he's on the goal line. Yeah, it could, it, it's hard to tell. Depending the angle you look at, exactly what went down, but you can't you can't really escape that. He was just kind of like in no man's land on the edge, just like. But then, the diagnose the when he diagnosed that screen for the tackle for loss. What killed yeah, that drive earlier player. in the game? At the end of the day, yeah, he's a good player. But then that highlights what we're saying. He plays better closer to the line. Like we we're struggling with a without a Sam linebacker. Yeah, big time. So, like Josh said it perfectly, he can diagnose that screen. He did. He did it. He did it. He was in the position. Mm-hmm. The play was snapped. He and Jamal literally before he even snapped the ball, made a beeline for him. It's like he knew it straight away, mm-hmm. and that's at the line. He clearly is better there. So, mm-hmm. so that that's a contrast. He he, he had. 
it's hard because except for that one play, he did have an overall good game. He didn't lose us the game, even mm-hmm. though he lost, you know, he lost us that touchdown what sealed the game. He didn't lose us the game. No. So we no, can't take away from the fact that overall, in my opinion, he's got better. But he does have these lacks in concentration, essentially, isn't it? It's concentration. It's like that play on the edge, to me, it wasn't, I didn't read it as he didn't want to get stuck in. It's just, I think he just, he was caught flat-footed. He was was almost like his concentration. What was it? Was it they had 40 minutes on offense? (laughs) <laughs> let me let me just get the stat up here it so I'm perfectly correct on this. Percent of the game, forty percent of the offense they they had. Or so more than, yeah. they had 40, 40 minutes on offense. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I totally understand it, and I, I'm not knocking. I'm not going against what you are saying, but we, Josh, probably is the closest guy to understand what being on defence for a long period of time must feel like, but I could very much imagine in the NFL being on defence for 40 minutes of the game could knock you out. And to me, he oh, just got caught flat-footed. He got Because how many times on the goal line has Jamal Adams been in the tackle? Hmm. So we can't really, in my opinion, it's... we can't judge him on him almost like being too soft to get involved. I just think he got caught flat-footed because he was half asleep. I really it's, do. It's... It's not just the fact as well that he's going to be knackered. Any even an elite athlete is going to be shattered at that point. It's the fact as well. It's so demoralising when you are on the back foot, constantly tackling someone, constantly having to look up and go right. Where's that ball going now? Where have I got to run to? What have I got to cover? And I genuinely think like when when you saw the lack of effort in his tackle there. I think, like I said, it was. It was half asleep, and he just he kind of went, oh, well, we've, we've screwed this game. We've proper screwed the pooch. And he just went, oh, oh, and he's through anyway. Oh, well, we're losing regardless. It's one of our worst showings. And and don't get me wrong, I will hands down say it was one of, apart from being nilled by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it was one of our worst showings this season against the Arizona Cardinals that didn't have D-Hop, didn't have Kyler Murray, the only reason why it wasn't a blowout was because Prater is shit out. Mm-hmm. It, it's it was embarrassing, and I think that's us as fans. Imagine being on the field and being part of that. That mm-hmm. that psychologically that has got to damage you throughout a game, if not beyond. You've got to look back at that tape. Imagine being in that like the locker room when they do their tape reviews, probably what Monday morning, Tuesday, looking at the complete shit show of what happened. And someone there going, so this is the backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. Yep, that's right. He just made us another six yards. Um, and then he threw another uh, sort of short slant there. That made another five yards. That's the first down. And then this and this and this. And oh, yeah, we'll let James Connor just make him another couple of yards. And you do realize James Connor's like the, the most proficient running back in the red zone at the moment in the NFL. So we just let him run in again. And it, it, it's going to really weigh on them. And this is one of the reasons why I think that this season is there's not much rescuing of it from from a player's point of view because they know they fucked up. They know that the season has gone down the pan. Mm. And people like Jamal, who are great players, 
That's the reason he was he was one of the, the top safeties in the league. That's the reason we got him. Mm. But he's a massive confidence player as well. If it's going for him, like remember last season when he got into the playoffs and he was there with his cigar, like, you know, I, I've never felt this before. This is amazing. And and he was going for it. He was a booster. He really brought that team up and that defence up. But now, that, that post-match interview, he was just, I had to turn the volume right up on my phone because I couldn't hear mm-hmm. what he was saying. He was so deflated. And that's one of the confidence guys. That's one of the big personalities. Imagine those players on the team that aren't the outspoken ones. My God, it mu- you must be able to hear a pin drop in that changing room at times. So, so we've. Have you got anything to say on Jamal Adams, James? Anymore? No, I'm just waiting to have my little piece on Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd the locker room, and Josh teed it up perfectly. Oh, I wasn't going to try. I, I mm. try and bring Pete up, but it's not a rant. It's not a rant. Just to it, put it out there. It's, it's more direct points because he is what he is and we piss the death out of the bigger picture. But when you go into an interview and say, so what's going on with the offence? How do you fix it? I don't know. That's scary mm-hmm. um, as a head coach. And then to storm off and go, I'm done. For a guy who's always optimistic and always uh, always about turning things around it took him to walk off and say i'm done to come back recompose himself and then say we're going to get this thing fixed and we're going to do you know typical stupid pete carroll is stupid fucking pointless sayings but my god i'm not going to speak about i'm not going to speak about i'm not going to speak about and then we started this podcast i'm like fuck that he can't get away with. He can't get away with not being said. How can a head coach of a football team you expect that from the fucking Lions who haven't won a game yet? You expect that from their head coach, and he's more fucking upbeat and positive about his team than this absolute moron. You'd expect it from the Jets, fucking Texans, all these teams, not from the Seattle Seahawks. But do you know what? It is. It is indicative of the slow regression that this team's been masking by making wild cards year after year mm-hmm. it is indicative of it because now it's all the floor is done and it's dropped mm-hmm. out and by him saying I'm done and I don't know how to fix it anymore is fucking scary well do you know why probably because he wasn't an offensive guy anyway so how does he know how to fix something that he's not really that expert into it brings into context as well when Tyler Lockett, out of everyone who went to that podium, Tyler Lockett says one thing about they were doing things on the field that we weren't shown on tape. The coaches, yet again, the fucking coaches. Russ, no, man, no, no. They were doing the they were doing the right checkdowns and they were doing this and they were doing that and um they were giving this reads and these zones and this that typical Russell Wilson, or he's just like optimistic and straight to the point. And do you know what? It might be a bit of gamesmanship, this, but to the context, Russ was right. Looking at the tape, Russ was right in what he said. Pete Carroll came out, said the same thing. No, 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 I don't. What's what's Tyler? What's Tyler going on about? Wow, you're saying that about one of your players, so you're openly admitting that you, you're in disagreement. Well, my brother's literally, as we're recording, yeah, <laughs> is tag tagged us all in this saying 
DC Van Jefferson from the Cardinals on third down, our disguise was excellent versus Russell Wilson, says showed looks pre-snap and took him away post-snap. So, funny thing is, one of the most genuine, honest guys on this team, probably the only one that might be there, maybe, is saying one thing. Now, Van Jefferson might... Uh, Van Jefferson fucking... Vance. Vance Joseph. 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 All that commotion and thought, you know what, I'm going to have a little bit of fun here in the media. I'm just going to, you know, stir the pot a little bit because they're in fucking turmoil as it is. I don't think it is. Now, to add to that point, it's not the first time Tyler has gone against script and said something completely different to Russ and Pete. And I can't remember what, was it last year or the year before? And the only, it was, I think it was last year, and the only person who agreed with him was Solari, the offensive line coach. Everyone else tried making him out to just be stupid. But he's one of the most intellectual players on the football field. He makes his own routes, for fuck's sake. He must know something. Don't make him out to be stupid. Now, another thing to bring into context, um, I listened to the Man to Man podcast with Doug Baldwin on. And... He kind of highlights the same point. Like last week, I I said a bit of a thought I had that. I don't think Russ has been the same as in the sense of, like, you know, dissecting the defence since Bevel left. I think when Bevel left, that all stopped. The shot is not any good. Pete wanted his way. I think they kind of pigeonholed him into this deep ball, sweet bomb kind of quarterback. And Doug Baldwin speaking to Michael Dugard, Michael Dugard said one of his best Doug Baldwin quotes was after the 2017 season um, everyone was like Bevel's done like this offense but he didn't make the the playoffs and Bevel's done he he needs to go and they were in the locker clear out day and Doug Baldwin turned around the only one on the team and went well do you use lot watch film do you know what you're talking about and it kind of for me, it kind of all meshes together. Tyler's going against the grain. Doug kind of highlighted it back then. Uh, and you could, it's specula- speculation, isn't it? But you've got two outspoken, in, intelligent players going totally against what Pete Carroll's saying. It's going off-brand. And, and that's the, the thing. You listen to a lot of the players and they recycle the same sort of stuff about the team, about the, the positive. I, I'm a big fan of the whole PMA, positive mental attitude thing, which which is what Pete preaches, which is absolutely fine. However, at some point, honesty needs to prevail. And I think that's what Tyler's done. Tyler has been completely honest. And just that where, where he said about, look, we, we watch film. And we diagnosed what they did defensively. We should have been able to run these routes and we should have been able to make space. But when the play came about, they changed it. So whatever routes we were running, they they were covering. And for him to be able to say that openly and honestly, and other people like Russell Wilson, 
Russell Carrington Wilson to turn around and go, no, 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 it was just this, this, and this. It wasn't anything. It wasn't what Tyler said. It, it's. I'm going to call it again. Bullshit. It's. It, it, it reeks of just this underlying toxic culture where they've been brainwashed into a certain way and they have to say a certain thing at a certain time just to try and please everyone. Now, some of the best players that you'll see in any sport are the, the honest ones with fans in a post-match interview that will turn around and go, we were awful. We didn't do X, Y, Z. They did X, Y, Z better. And that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear someone wax lyrical all the time about the fact, oh, we, we got nilled, but we did this, this, and this well. Next week, we're going to improve and do this, this, and this. You need someone like your Tyler Lockett, like your Doug Baldwins, who will come out and go, it's, something's broken. We need to yeah. fix something. Do you know what it is? I swear, so I swear in the contracts when they sign for Seattle, it says at the bottom in little tiny writing, what what happens in Fight Club stays in Fight Club. <laughs> what happens in Seahawks camp stays in Seahawks camp. Sign it. Do you know what it is, right? The points that you've made there have led on to this little bit that I wanted to have on Pete. It's not a rant or anything like that. I'm not shitting him or anything like that. But that Tyler Lockett thing where he's come out and he said, this is what's happened. And Pete's basically said, you know, you, you're assuming that Tyler Lockett's correct then. And as we all know, Tyler Lockett's a very smart man. He's been with the Seahawks a long time. He knows what he's talking about. If he's saying that something was wrong or, or this was how something was, 99% chance it's, he's probably right. The way that Pete responded to that, I'm not, I'm not on about the, you know, him storming off and everything like that. But the way he responded to one of his veteran players and, oh, well, you're assuming he's right. It, it, it brings me out of what I wanted to say on Pete. Um, basically, from what, what I see from Pete is... He displays the behaviour similar to that you would see from someone who's a gambling addict. Now, if you bear with me on this, I'll explain it. Right. In terms of, I mean, gambling addicts. Right. In terms of, he's won big before. Right. He's won the Super Bowl. In 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 American football, he's won big before. He's won everything. He's he's put a tenfold accumulator on. He's won thousands of pounds. He's won. Right. And as any gambling addict will tell you, if you win big, you you gain confidence, you believe in yourself, and you're always chasing that big win again. Now, he just he's not gambling with money. He's gambling with his reputation and his legacy that he's built in Seattle now because he's convinced that his luck is going to turn again eventually. He's got this blind confidence that if he keeps gambling, he keeps putting the chips down, he keeps betting on himself, keeps betting on his ethos, his mantra, his, his legacy, that eventually his luck is going to turn again. But as gambling addicts will tell you, 99.9% of the time, your luck doesn't turn again and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Now, that mindset for your head coach to have is extremely dangerous. Like I say, he's had his big win in Super Bowl 48 and now we just can't stop in that pursuit of, of, of getting that winning feeling again. I mean, I don't know if you've heard it and everything, you probably have, but in, in British mainstream TV anyway, there's that, that slogan that goes around for gambling that says, when the fun stops, stop, right? Now, We've had some extremely fun years in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Obviously, the Super Bowl, the back-to-back Super Bowl. Pete Carroll has brought some extremely fun years, arguably the best years for the Seattle Seahawks. We've had so much fun, so many fun players. We've had so much fun watching our team and some of the best years we've all had watching the team. But the fun has stopped now. Like, this isn't fun anymore. And all coaches and players 
all coaches and players in the NFL are football addicts. We're football addicts. Everyone is everyone who loves this sport, everyone who plays this sport, everyone who coaches it is a football addict. But you have to know, as in real gambling, when 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 the time is mm-hmm. to stop. And and, and, a, and an example is Andrew Luck. Now Andrew Luck was at the top of his game, retired early. Everyone's shocked that he's retired. Andrew Luck goes, Do you know what? No, I've done well. I'm 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 satisfied with my career. Could I stay and play a bit longer and possibly have my luck turn and, and, and get healthy again and win again? Yeah, I, po- I, po- I possibly could. But do you know what? I've had my I've had my career. I'm happy. I'm going to step away. Now, Pete Carroll's got nothing left to prove. He doesn't need to gamble anymore. He's won, he's won big. He doesn't need to prove anything more to us. He, 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 but he's just, he's got that urge now. He can't stop. He just can't stop. He, he, he just keeps telling it with every sort of, you know, it's, it's his legacy. For him to go, for him to go on record and say, and, and undermine a play, not not a rookie undrafted guy or a guy who's just brought in one of his most experienced guys, a guy that would go out there and and puts his puts his body on the line, has broke his leg, puts his body on the line and plays has been one of the best receivers this franchise has had in in recent years in Tyler Lockett. For him to go out there and undermine someone like that is is just just shows how far gone he is in his own sort of mind that he's right, no one else is right. It, it's just. He's an addict. He doesn't know how to stop. The fun has stopped, and 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 that's all. That 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 sort of sort of interaction with with Lockett just it just it just brought that to my mind that he just he just he just is displaying this behaviour that you see from from addicts. Very quickly off the back of that is that whole Albert Einstein quote, right? So Pete Carroll has done the same thing over and over again with varying results, mm. and as we've all seen, the bell curve is now hit in the bottom, mm. right? And insanity, the very definition by from what Albert Einstein, Einstein says, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what Pete's doing. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do and run the same plays and, and play the same ball game over and over again and expecting it to win. But the, the league's figured him out. The league's figured out the Seahawks. So it's never going to work. He, ju- he just needs to realise at some point Either it's time to let his assistant coaches do their job and stop interfering, or he just takes a, he just steps back. If he steps back and just goes, you know what, my time's done. I had a really good run. I was I was an excellent mm-hmm. coach. I'm going to be a Hall of Fame coach. Rah rah rah, brilliant. But he doesn't seem to be able to do that. No. And it, like I said, he's a gambler. He's it's like a gambling addict, and it's it's scary to think how far he may want to try to go with this. I was just going to say, I love a beautiful speech of James to finish. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. James goes on these wholehearted speeches mm. and I love him. Thank you. Direct and passion, whereas I'm just chaotic and ranting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. it worked. It, it, everyone's different, aren't they? You, F and Jeff and Pete Carroll, it, 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 it works. I'm, I can't <laughs> just be poetic. In, in my rant, I'm just I'm <laughs> born that way, mate. But I'm, I'm, it's a well thought speech, and I love it. Yeah. What's your thought on that, though? Is, is that some? Is that? Do you see? Do, where do you know what? Do you know what, from? James? I I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Thank you. Anyone who listens to this podcast, if they don't listen to that and just go, that hits the nail on the head. Like, because that is oh, it. It's just. Do you know what? I rant and get mad. Hmm. 
and it's like that's just what I do. But you just hit the nail on the head perfectly. I think you where you were going with it, and I was just like, "Yo, I love that, love it." (laughs) I'm blushing now, positive guys. Thanks, mate. You made me right there. Speaking of which. Haven't we got to f- finish the uh, the pod on a positive yeah. Pez piece? <sighs> Hit us with it, Pez. Come on. I think I think I've stayed quite positive all podcasts. You really, you, you've been yeah. all right. Actually, I think I've been the negative one. Yeah, I'll change that next week. <laughs> right. Oh, and before I forget and get onto a positive, like good job. No one messages us about this podcast yet because our predictions last week were fucking well, well, no, no, no. <laughs> your two predictions were fucking shit I yeah. was right and you convinced me oh. that, that, you, that, you, that to go positive you ended on a positive Pez note I said alright okay I'll go with you I knew Colt McCoy would beat us I, t- I fucking t- I knew our record against backup quarterbacks he oh. beat us last year but no positive That's Pez sick. it's too convincing right <sighs> I've been quite positive, and I'm not going to lie, I've, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, and I am struggling. <laughs> my only positive I could pick out is we play Washington, the Texans, and the Bears. I just don't know how much of a positive that is. <laughs> and the Lions. And the Lions. And the Lions. Oh, and the Lions. Right. No, positives. We're Come optimistically on. positive. The positives are... We are. We still have Washington Texans, the Bears, and the Lions mm-hmm. to give us a bit of like you know easy game. Yeah, it's not an outside right. chance to anything. It's just some games we can hopefully get right. Russ mm. can get himself right. If we were ever going to fix things, it would be in those four games. Yeah. Is what you said. Yeah. yeah. Because because I love the section and I'd probably shot my load with like being too positive <laughs> for the podcast. But there's literally there's literally nothing else. No, they're, they're the games, they're, if, if you're going to stay up for Seahawks games, they're the ones you want to stay up for because they're, they've got the highest probability of a win. So you might actually be able to go to sleep with a smile on your face. Mm. As opposed to just being fucking angry like I was, you know. And the, the I think statistically we've got a six percent chance now of making the playoffs, and that is like if every planet aligns, if every other team loses that we need to lose. So I think now it's just a matter of, from a fan perspective, just taking the season as for what it is. It's been a shit show. It's not been what we expected. We all wanted more from this season. Right? We all expected more from this season. And we now just need to start looking at the games we can win this season and seeing what we do in them. So if we play teams like the Lions, the Bears, the Texans, who, let's not forget, the Texans beat the Titans this, this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the Bears look all right in spits and spats. The Lions are just a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. But... If we look at those those games and go, right, if we can actually show out and we put 40-odd points on these teams, 50-odd points, we know not everything is broken. Yeah. 
For those who can't see, Pe- Pez is shaking his head. Uh, uh, Josh, Josh, well, get out of my section. <laughs> get out. So, but, but if you know what I mean, it's, the it's positive for the UK, the positive for the UK audiences, I just thought, yeah. is uh, it's a Monday, it's a Tuesday morning game, so we're all going to be in bed. Yeah, oh, I'm not watching that. Sod that. I'm not watching Tyler Heineke, but he tears a new one. I think there's going to be many UK Seahawks fans who think, I'm going to stay up to this. I'll just watch the game on Game Game Pass tomorrow morning. I have got to say, though, barring this game, every other game we've got is like a 9... So we've got a 9.25 kickoff against the 49ers. (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll be watching that behind a cushion i think um and then we've got a 6 p.m kickoff against the texans 9:25 against the rams 9:05 against the bears 9:25 against the lions and then to round off the season we've got 9:25 to watch the cardinals beat us with kyler murray and d hop and well jj hey. Watt's probably out he's always out but yeah. at least we at least they're not like Positive. One o'clock, one <laughs> to add more positive to this, go on, son. We'll beat the Cardinals with Kyle Murray. Oh, mate, that's a bold prediction. I, I, I will, I, I will bet you li- live on this podcast now or recording this podcast a tenner. I will PayPal you a tenner. Right, okay. I'm not condoning gambling, by the way. Gamble away. Yeah, when the fun safe. stops, stop. When the fun Just stops, stop. About this. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right, indulgent right now. Yeah, okay. It's just it's just it's just proper Seahawks to get a beat of Colt McCoy and then beat the Cardinals with Kyler and D Hot back. It's just mm. it's just I know this season's a bit of a thingy, but ah, ah, we're in the positive okay. zone. Is like, is Kyle in Murray the positive been, zone here? Yeah, but will Kyler Murray have been killed by then? Because I forgot we we, we, <laughs> we need to do this week segment. Is is Kyler Murray going to get killed this week? Well, James. Well, obviously they're keeping him for the bye week to keep him healthy. Mm. But but Go on. I think I still don't think he's going to be right. I, I, I don't. You're clutching. You're clutching now. I, I, I think he's going to come back and just start tearing people a new one. I, I rate Kyler. He's one of my favourite quarterbacks to watch. He's, he's that short stature quarterback who realises, unlike Russ, that when he can't see over his offensive line and he doesn't know where people are, he's got to run. And when he runs, he is electric. Uh, one of my favourite highlights to watch is his little stutter step towards the defender to then step back. I think it was last season. It was it was brilliant. Yeah. And and but that the thing is makes also it exciting. Remember, That's what makes the Cardinals exciting. The thing you gotta remember is the last two seasons, now he might have some luck. His injury might have come at the right time so then he gets fit towards the back end of the season. But you've just got to remember the last two seasons he's picked up a leg injury, his mobility went to shit and that team capitulated. Is is D Hop coming back? Because I hope so. I've done your fucking fantasy, you dick. You traded me in. You better do. Yeah, I know. Like, you totally rinsed me with that. I learned after you last season. AJ Brown. That guy 
Oh, I'll get I'm him never, on the bin. I've never drafted him again. Um, we, we, can't, right. we can't do get in the bin. That's another podcast bit at the end. We'll have to think of something else. You're right, Piers, because I'm, I'm looking at this season, right? <laughs> I'm looking at this season, right? And like you, like you say, if we can, before he got his injury, which I hope he's okay and with, with Trey Brown, it's finding positives in little players and little things that we can see to take into next year now. So with DJ Dallas, keep playing him. We don't need Rashad Penny's going to be injured. We don't need to see him. Keep playing him. Keep playing Alex Collins because we're facing a real, real, real scary running back situation going into next year because Carson's not going to be here. Penny's probably not going to be here. Alex Collins is going to be running back one potentially. So that's the situation you massively need to get right. Jonathan Taylor could have drafted him, you know, when he wanted to come here. You know, that solved it. Well, well, as for the running back thing, before we sign off, right, we've done positive pairs and everything, I know, but... Trashed it. Adrian Peterson is now available because he has been dropped by... Where was he? Was he the Ravens? Or wherever, wherever the ball is. Uh, Titans, yeah. So, would you take AP? If he comes with, a, with Benjamin Button's disease. <laughs> He's about 39. Oh. I'd take him 10 years ago. I don't, I don't know about... Well, so, so over our backup... So you think our running back core now, Alex Collins is our RB1. That's, there's no denying that, right? Mm. Then you've got Dallas and Homer because Penny's out, yeah. Carson's out. But all Adrian Peterson's going to do is come in and take snaps away from young guys we've invested in. Fair if, enough. If, Good point. If we were, well if we, made. If we were heading into the playoffs and, and going on a playoff run and we were trying to, you know, you know, it looked like we had a 50% chance or we were only one game, two wins outside the playoffs. And we said, right, because Philip Lindsay is available as well. But like, those teams, yeah, players like that, you know, teams who are in the hunt properly for the playoffs are in and around winning, you know, they'd take them for extra ammunition going into the playoffs. For me now, if we signed Adrian Peterson and he's getting carries over DJ Dallas and whoever else we want, and, and Alex Collins, and, you know, I think they've still got Josh Johnson on the practice squad, who mm-hmm. a lot of people are high on. If you want to elevate him, if, if if he comes in and takes snaps away from players that we've invested in and young guys, then I'm not I'm not for it. If 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 I could trust the offensive scheme for to bring him in and still get the ball to the young guys enough and keep him sort of like as a you know a utility man and, and not just completely take the ball away because like say he's 38, he's 39, whatever whatever happens, you wouldn't sign him again next season. So just mm. just give the ball to these young guys you've invested in and see what happens. And if they don't do well. It, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. So yeah. I like the I'm play. He's a, that, yeah. yeah, he's Hall of Fame legend. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it. It's like a Sydney Rice signing or like a Jerry Rice signing. It's a Hall <laughs> of Fame player. It's quite cool to see him play in your team's uniform. But you know, it, it's just jersey sales at this. this it's point. just yeah, it's just jersey yeah. sales. And you know, I'm 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 Team DJ Dallas now after after Pez's little segment on him. So that's that's, that's it. Yes, yeah. let's, let's let's get this broadcasted far and wide so more people can be turned. We need, we need to start turning yeah. more people to these underdogs players. I'm, I'm going to do a whole thing on Hugo Amadi at some point. Oh, you, oh, you'll lose me on that. <laughs> you'll lose me on that, Josh. Anyway, James, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you sign us off, mate, because we're, we're getting a bit far down a hole here. Oh, I, I, look, we've done well. For our standards, we all said, we, had a, we all had a little little team meeting before we went live and said, look, Let's try. Let's just try for one episode for one night only to try and not go absolutely batshit crazy and lose our minds and just rant for an hour and a half. We've done really well there. We've had our little rants. I had, had my little say on Pete Carroll. Like I say it wasn't really a rant. It's just how I see his behaviour. 
little bit of a mini rant, but for my standards and Jamal Adams, how I normally get with him. passionate speech, James. Thank you, Pez. Thank you, Pez. Do you know what? I really like positive Pez. You, ever since you've come on this podcast, Josh, you've introduced positive Pez, and now he's, my fear, he, he, he's absolutely <laughs> lovely to me. This, this, I wouldn't have had this from, from, from the... What I'm trying to think of a pissed off Pez. I wouldn't have had this in pissed off Pez. <laughs> Positive Pez. He's like, oh, I'm loving this little alter ego, even though we well, trust you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm glad I could bring something into the podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's, the that's the main thing. That's all trash. I'm here for. It's moral support. She needs to trash my segment. <laughs> Guys, thanks. Sorry. We did a little bit, but I, I brought it back a little bit for you. But I, Positive I, Pez comes on. Josh needs to put tape over his mouth. <laughs> But no, is there anything anything else we want to add before we before we say say our goodbyes for this one? Uh, no, no, no. Just well, I'm gonna say touchdowns against Washington. Yeah, let, let's let's just hope we can. I said I said ahead of this one. I think let's just hope we can score like a touchdown or score some points. Um, I was given that. I didn't mean it sort of like literally in terms of like just score once and then be done with it. Like you know, you could have scored a bit more, lads, but. So let, little little milestones. Let's go for twenty this week, yeah. Should we should we try and go for aim for twenty on the Washington football team? Cool, cool. Was... Score score predictions. Go on very quickly. Top your score head. Score predictions. Uh 21 14 Seahawks. Go on, Bez. 24-17. Seahawks. Um I'm going to go 24-21 for Washington ex-Redskins football team. Right, get him off, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we can't all be embarrassed when we all said we, you know, with the, with the score predictions next week. Some, one of us has got to get us right. Bringing him onto the actual podcast. <laughs> 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 Oh, look, we've done well. Well done, lads. I'm, I'm proud of you for, for not going off on the on too bad too bad of a rant there. So well done, everyone. And uh, no, I hope you've enjoyed listening as always. Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, I, I think we're going to try and set up this uh, little live hour thing on Friday. Are we? Are we going to try and get that that first one off the ground? I mean, I'm you looking at me yeah. with massive goal Yeah, like I say, it, it will we'll go live on Twitter. Hour sort of hour and a half, and just sort of. Uh, Give you the chance to to join the uh, the lads and uh, yeah, just like I say, have have your little have your little rants. We're, we're going to try and sort of save these big rants that we have for those uh, those little, little little Twitter meetings that we have now, because uh, like I say, we're, we're trying to be more positive on the We Talk Talks podcast now. Like I say, as, as the introduction of positive pez has uh, kick started, so yeah, we, we can have a little rants here and there. But feel free to join us on Twitter on Friday um, and we'll uh, hopefully see you there but until next time until next week when you know we'll probably be discussing another loss um, yeah thanks for listening and go Hawks go Hawks go Hawks